Welcome, 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 everyone. Here we go. This is the Movies Move Us podcast. I'm Ruggero, your host. I'm super excited because today we have a talented filmmaker, Michael Del Monte, the director of His Name is Ray. Oh, my God. You guys have to take a look at this movie. Uh, Michael, how have you been, man? How are you feeling? I'm good. I've, uh, I, have a, I, have a, I have a two-year-old son who occupies my existence. And uh, my, fam my wife and my son, we just moved out of Toronto a few months ago to my hometown, Guelph, about an hour outside when COVID started. So life has been, uh, yeah, we've been moving around a lot, of, lot, a lot of different things from when I first started making films. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, they're, they're the best days of my life for sure. Fantastic, man. I love this enthusiasm and congratulations on the two-year-old and at the same time making movies, man. That's fantastic and also not to underestimate, especially when releasing a film like this, right? You're really taking your time and energy to amplify the voices of underrepresented people. And that really strikes my heart. It's something that I really, really value. And that's something that I really resonate with in terms of filmmaking. So mm -hmm. first things first, I want to ask you, um, what led you into filmmaking in the first place? Um, I had been, I'd been studying my, uh, kind of, I was doing philosophy and theology as an undergrad and I, I was, a I was a, a hard, a pretty serious middle distance runner. Like it was my dream to make the Olympics and I was, I was pretty close and, uh, it was at the same time I was in school and then I got injured right before, uh, the 2012 Olympic trials. And I was down in Florida with some of my teammates and someone had a camera and, I'd always liked, I'd always loved making videos and films, but I never, I never knew it could be a career choice or anything. And, you know, I started making, I was injured on the sidelines and started making these little vignettes of my, of my teammates, just these little three or four minute, you know, profiles of the, of the guys and girls down there. And I, and I started just seeing so many parallels to, you know, what I was doing in philosophy and theology, like taking an idea and just starting to just peel away the layers and try to find the story. Where's the tension, you know, like just, it, it was just so much more vibrant and alive than writing essays. And those videos ended up getting picked up by, you know, a, a small, a, not a small, a pretty significant running website. And then all of a sudden I was making videos and, and making, making $200 here, $300 there. And, you know, I was like, all right, well, let's keep going and so that actually led to oh which way is it there yeah that my first film there which was on a runner and yeah basically i i started putting my my academic studies on on hold because i just again i felt so much more alive as opposed to sitting alone in my room pontificating on some idea you know i was out there in the world listening to people and it was it was an amazing experience and it was very collaborative where I didn't have to feel I never felt like when you're writing essays, you feel like, um, you know, it has to come somewhere with, from within. But I think the beauty with filmmaking, there's this amazing collaboration with your characters where, you know, the character really becomes the director. And I, I, I always feel you know, I'm much more of just a listener, like I'm an observer to my characters and, and I, and I watch and I listen for a long time. And then, and then my philosophy and theology degrees come into play when I get all that footage in the editing room. And that's when I have to, you know, as you know, 
you know, that's where that's where you really get to work. So that's a long answer. But, uh, you know, that's yeah, that was basically the origin of, of how I got into all this. I like it and I really appreciate it because it really seems like film is your extension of your philosophical research of humanity within the subjects out there in the world. And uh, I really love that. I dig that a lot and I resonate with that a lot because filmmaking is it is a devotional art. And for me to witness that also in films like His Name is Ray and uh, seeing it come to play also for the lives of people like Ray, uh, it's extremely meaningful. And this is when uh, the art of filmmaking becomes something um, that has purpose, right? So the thing that I wanted to ask you uh, right off the bat is also the role of purpose uh, in this filmmaking experience Mm -hmm. and the way purpose came into play when connecting with Ray to tell his story. Like my, my purpose, you mean, or, or Ray's purpose? Or... I'm, I'm wondering how they, actually, how they actually interconnected and how they came together. Well, you know, it was, it was really, I, I tend to enjoy making films with, with people who, you know, I, I feel uncomfortable with and who give me a bit of anxiety. And, and Ray was somebody who I used to pass, he, he panhandled at an intersection that is basically like at an artery of Toronto. Cars are going in and cars are going out and he just kind of plops himself there and that's his spot. It's been his spot for years. And I was one of those guys, I was one of those cars just always passing him. And, you know, when the light would be red, I would just be hoping it would turn green before he'd get to my car because I just... You know, it made, it made me a little uncomfortable. It made me, you know, for a long time, I just always felt as though guilty. Like, do I have to give him money? Where's the money going to go? You know, and I, I felt a lot of, I felt like I was judging. It just made me feel uncomfortable. Like, I felt bad for him, but I didn't know what to do. And, and so one day I was driving home and he was, you know, the lake was just behind him. And the sun sets over the lake and he was crouched down. You've seen the film, so you know how he kind of crouches down right to the ground and his change was all sprawled out on the sewer. And I saw Ray, I saw him, this guy, I didn't know him at the time, but I saw this man in a way I had never seen him, which, you know, he existed in the same world I did. You know, he still was warmed by the sun. He still breathed the same air I breathed. And, you know, he, he still had this, this money that, that helped them get through the day in whatever way. And it, it just made me think that, you know, I need to get to know this guy a little bit. So the next day my wife dropped me off and I went to talk to him and I didn't have a camera with me. I just, I just wanted to, I don't know. I just had this feeling that I wanted to talk to this guy and, you know, he told me his story. on the streets of Toronto and you know he's homeless and trying to make some money to get back on a boat and I'm looking around I'm seeing the lake here he's talking to me I don't know I'm like you know I didn't have much background with homelessness addiction you know mental health or anything before this so you know I'm like is this oh so you just you need some money and then you're gonna get on your boat and go away like I thought it would be like this short journey I'd follow him on and so he, he invited me to follow him and you know, little did I know the extent to which, you know, how difficult it would be for him to leave that intersection. Um, 
you know, even though his dream is kind of 200, 300 meters away, he, he can't get there because of his addiction. And, and it, to me, it was this beautiful metaphor. It ended up becoming this incredible metaphor for all of us of like, you know, you're, the thing you want most is right there, but because of your habit, because of something you always do, you're always kind of pulled in another way. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, yeah, it was kind of very lucky that I met him because it would have definitely been a different film, very hard to make without, without him. Mm, fantastic. Thank you for sharing, man. There is a lot of beauty in there and a lot that we can unpack. Um, and I would love to ask you, what was the process for you um, in terms of the integration of the camera in the relationship, integrating the camera in such delicate, intimate and personal environment? What was that process like for you? It was diff. So I had a question at um, the, my previous film, Transformer. Someone asked me, what would you do differently? And, and I remember my answer was I, I would want to have spent more time just intimate one-on-one -on -one with the character because the character in that film lived five hours away and we would have to go with a crew of three to four people for two or three days. You know, you would, you would, you would film a few scenes, go back and keep doing that. And I remember that at, when I gave that answer in that, um, at the festival thinking my next film in that my next film, I want to be right there with my character as much as possible. So Ray lived 10 minutes from my house. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot this myself. I'm not going to have a tripod. I'm not going to bring a camera bag. I'm going to bring one lens, a couple batteries, a couple memory cards. And when I'm done for the day, that's it. I take, I, I take a, my wife either would drop me off or I would take an Uber and then I would either Uber or walk home. And you know, it was this very integrated process. And I had like my whole outfit. I, I wore the same thing every day uh, filming because I needed to, you know, I needed to create a relationship, you know, with the people on the street and which which happened like it became this, you know, I was I was my I was raised filming buddy, you know, everyone knew I was making this documentary and, you know, they were very welcoming and open and honest and beautiful and you know, it was it was amazing. But yeah, that was that was the process to get kind of that authenticity you see in the film, which I've often felt has lacked a lot of my other or not some, not lack necessarily, but something I just wanted more of. Like I wanted this to feel like, you know, a real film, like a scripted film, not not a conventional documentary. And so this was just a way to be fully integrated, be be fully immersed, raw, nimble. I could just go and get real moments, you know, you see real things happen. You don't have to just sit down and, you know, reflect on what happened, but we're there for it. And that's, that was really important. Very nice, man. I guess it took also some time to build that trust. Uh, but how much do you think that the camera has impacted the behaviors of the subjects on the streets? Well, I mean, a little bit, but if you watch it, it's, it's pretty raw. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, you know, like I remember the first time, you know, Ray did drugs and, and, you know, I didn't know he was an addict. Like I, you know, I didn't know he had this heroin fentanyl addiction. And I remember we were, you know, we were filming just him on the street and he turned down an alley and, uh, and I'm like, are you, I, I kind of thought I knew what was about to happen. He goes, yeah, I, I got to go do a hit here. And I'm like, 
is it okay? Should I film it? Or, and I was like kind of nervous. I was shaking. And he goes, oh, that's fine. I mean, this is this is my life. I mean, this is what all the money, this is this is it. Like I wake up, you know, it was it was just so natural. And 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 I remember just filming the first scene. It's the first time you see him doing it in 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 the film and the trains going by and it's all dark and gloomy. I was just really shaky and nervous and uncomfortable because I didn't know like what to do if he overdoses, what to, you know, all of that. But you know, eventually I think people knew what I was making and what I wasn't making. Like I wasn't I wasn't making something that was trying to exploit or trying to have a political message. Like I really wanted people, I really wanted to just give an authentic face to this growing homeless and opioid crisis. You know, no polit there's no politicians in the film, there's no social commentary and and not saying that that's bad, but it was just a choice that I decided to make to to allow the people on the street to to just tell their story and so you know i think i think once that was understood by everyone everyone was kind of themselves like no one was guarded the only time people got a little guarded when they were talking about dealers because they didn't want they were worried if you know the dealers would find out but thankfully the only dealer in the film his name is mikey and my name is kind of mikey so no one that got confusing <laughs> I think people thought i may have been the dealer so it, it all ended up being okay for sure, man. And uh, it takes also some courage to be able to go out there and, you know, you have your camera and the camera has quite some heat, right? There is the heat of, of judgment yeah. with the camera. But then through filmmaking and through the work of filmmakers that really understand the, the beauty of that heat, the, we can turn the heat of, of judgment yeah. into the warmth of a hug, you know, that empowers people mm. to speak their truth. And and I can see that that happened because it, it's, it's like a microphone, you know, for me, it, it becomes you know, it's a microphone for Ray to talk into, right? And and it's an earphone for me to listen to him. Like that's as opposed to, like I find so many of the more conventional documentaries I, I've done and that I've seen, you know, there's a boom pole, there's a crew, like it's, it's, it's this, you know, it's this manufactured environment that you try to make the person as comfortable as possible. For me, it was about, really being as invisible as possible and and not caring at all you know what the person driving by thought of the situation like they would often see this homeless man with a guy with a camera but there at least there was no crew like it, i tried to disarm the situation as much as possible to make everyone as natural as possible and uh i yeah i i i, I, rem I remember like i have to zone out because like you, you would just have to be so focused that in, in particular with this, like the composition of the film, I, I tried to hold, you know, as long as possible. And you just, there were times where it was like, you just wanted to kind of turn the camera off and leave. It's like, okay, this is uncomfortable. I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore. But I think that's where some of the magical moments are. Like, you know, when I'm on a bridge and those rays passed out below and the two women walk to see him and it's about a 90 second single shot where, you know, they walk down, walk back. And, and so I, I wanted to yell. I wanted to be like, he's okay. Don't worry. I'm with him. He's okay. But, you know, I couldn't, you know, I knew he was okay, but there was all of that kind of juggling of when do I speak up and when do I, I have to just let this be right now and I have to do my job. This is so interesting. We're really entering an, a, a fascinating territory because it's also a, a, an ethical environment. We yeah. have to ask ourselves questions that 
aim directly at the nature of our spirit as filmmakers, what we do in that environment. And I also wondered what were, what were the questions that were coming to, to the surface when, mm-hmm. when he, was, he was trying fentanyl and how yeah. that process came to be. I mean, I'm, I'm really yeah. wondering how it must have been really tough. Yeah, the fir- I mean, the first the first time, the first the first time was very uncomfortable because I just didn't know, I, I just felt uncomfortable. It was just you know it, it was uncomfortable seeing somebody take a pill and smash it and inject it into their veins and it's dirty. You know, it's not sterile. Like it all felt like okay, this is you know, buddy, you should stop doing <laughs> like you know you want to tell him your own beliefs, but you know this is his life and he's invited me to be part of this his life. And, and I have a feel, I have an inkling, I have a calling. I, I feel compelled to, to tell this because, you know, it, it feels like it's something that we need to understand. We need to, we need to see the extent of this grip that, that drugs can have on a person, on a society. And so, again, it's, it's about me doing my job. But, you know, there were, there were times, yeah, there, there were, I mean, we had conversations about what to do if he did overdose, you know, and, and, you know, how to, how to revive him and who to call and whatnot. But I'll tell you, I mean, the saddest and hardest moments for me in the film um, were when he would pass out and I'd have to leave him there, you know, and um, it, it was, it was an interesting feeling because so much of Ray's so anyone who lives on the street, their life is just chaos. And it's, you know, I have to find a new place to live. I have to get $25 for a point. I have to go here. Like you're, you're, you're just, you're, you're so unsettled and, and you're always kind of, you're just trying to, you know, survive. And when Ray would pass out under a tree or on the beside an intersection, he would be you could feel all that chaos dissolve and he was just so peaceful and he was like a child taking a nap. And it was this really conflicting feeling I had because, you know, I, I wanted to wake him up and be like, Hey man, are you okay? But I knew he was okay. Cause he was breathing. I knew he didn't over. I just know the heroin relaxed him to the point where it sedated him and, and calmed him down and he could nap in peace. And, it, and it's a troubling you know, that's, that's a real kind of paradox to try to, you know, navigate. And so, I mean, I remember just writing him a little note saying, Hey, I, I, you know, you, you passed out, we were filming, I'll come back and get the microphone tomorrow. And then I'd come back and I'd come back and find him and we, you know, we'd, we'd go on. And, uh, but anyway, that was, yeah, th- those were kind of the hard moments, just leaving somebody there you know, and I would stay a long time, like I would stay 20, 30 minutes, but sometimes he'd nap for hours because he hadn't slept in days. And and then he's just, he's out for hours, right? And so I had to go and yeah, it's, that was, that always felt a little weird. Wow. Yeah. There is a lot of, a lot to unpack with that. And I also see that you really, uh, you really committed to that lifestyle because I remember some scenes in the tent during the night and him waking yeah. up in the morning and I'm curious to see how that played out. Yeah, it was it was an interesting process. Like, you know, every every time I would film with Ray, there would be two or three other times I would go out to try to find him. Like he wasn't always there. You know, he could be again, anyone on the street, their life. Some people are a little more stagnant. But as you saw, Ray is always on the go. 
Like he's got different camps all the time. He's staying at friends' houses. So it was really hard to track him down. I, I bought him so many cell phones and would, you know, try to call him, but the phones kept disappearing. And so I would just have to rely on, you know, I, I would always tell my wife, I'm going to, I'm going to hunt down Ray. I'm going to find him. That's what I'd say. I'm, I, I got to go find Ray, you know, and, and it would always, I would always text her. I'd be, I found him <laughs> or, you know, I'd be out for 30 minutes or an hour and I'd be like, no, I, you, I, you know, I'm coming home. I, it's like, you know, I couldn't find him. And uh, so some some of those mornings, yeah, I mean, sometimes I would, you know, that that was where there was the only kind of structure involved in this. I mean, as you saw, it's a very, very task, you know, very uh, just observant, observational film. But there were a few times where I knew, you know, I want to be with him in the morning or I want to be with him at night. So sometimes I would go out at different times of the day to make sure we had a bit of a balance in the film. But, you know, for the most part, when I found him was when I shot with him. And, uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't easy. That was a hard part of it. <laughs> of course. And also the cinematography, ooh, it really stands out, man. Really good job with that. There are some incredible shots, man. Those low, wide-angle shots when he's kneeling down. Woo! Those shots are some heat, man. I absolutely loved it. Um, how Terrence, was it for you? Terrence Malick. I mean, that was, you know, that was a very, that was a very in intentional choice. It goes back, you know, to that very first image I had of Ray before I, which is going to be the movie poster we'll release in the next few days. But it's, it's this, it's this man who's, you know, he's got dirt, his clothes are tattered. He has a little bit of change, but the widescreen He's he's he was in heaven. He had the lake. He had the sun. And, and and I knew at that moment you have to shoot this thing wide angle. Like the whole film was shot with an 18 to 35 millimeter lens. That's it. That was the only lens I used in the entire film. And and I and I used so much of it to get the sky, you know, so that the sky and Ray were always, you know, interplaying with one another. That the cars were always going past him. And, you know, it, it was meant to always be a portrait not just of Ray's face but of the world Ray lived in which is our world and it's and while the homeless film while the homeless world might not be a familiar world you know that intersection those streets people know people can resonate with and uh you know that was you know I'm, I'm yeah I'm, I'm glad we made that choice absolutely and for the filmmakers out there uh what was the uh the fantastic piece of equipment and the lenses. What was the tech behind making you so invisible about the same time catching those amazing visuals? The camera, you mean? Yeah, yeah. The tech yeah, the, was part of the process. The, the, the camera was the, the, it was the Sony FS7. And, um, and, and it was a, well, a Canon 16 to 35 millimeter lens with a Metabones adapter. And, and that was it. And, uh, you know, I shot the whole thing with, with markers. You know, I, I knew I wanted the whole thing widescreen. I wanted it to have, a, again, a very cinematic feel. Um, it's why I got Hannon Townsend, who's, um, uh, you know, he's, comp he's done the music composition for many of Terrence Malick's films. He, he saw some of the early footage and, and, and wanted to come on to score the film. And so, you know, having kind of that widescreen and, and that the music and I just I wanted to try to elevate Ray into kind of an ethereal world, um, you know, to give it that juxtaposition of having that homelessness and that, you know, 
that proximity to death. I mean, the guy, every time you do a hit, like you're, you're risking your life, but then at the same time, you know, it's just this beautiful imagery. So yeah, a lot, the, the, it was the FS seven, sorry, the tangent, but it was the FS Sony FS seven and yeah, Canon 16 to 35. Yeah, great job, because I guess also moving around with the FS7 on the streets. And I wanna, really wanted to ask you how, do you, how do you relate with the environment when you frame shots? What are the things that you look out for? What are the elements that uh, take you to frame the shot in those specific ways? This, this, this one was, this one was um, you know, it was, all, it was all right there at that intersection. Like, you know, you've got these cars that kind of just become white noise. <sighs> And then you've got the ocean, you got the lake, which is also a different type of white noise. You know, it's this, and it's this interesting thing that he's pulled between these two, you know, this water and he, but he's dependent on these cars to give him change, you know? And so for me, the imagery, it was, it was, it was incredibly important to capture that, you know, that environmental element of, again, the, it was both the, earthly and well i mean it was all all you know bringing in my theology here a little bit but it was all layers of existence it was kind of heaven and hell you know hell representing these cars just kind of this mechanical rushing in and out and you know raised synthetic drugs and all that with this heavenly picture of the lake and the and the sun and the wind and the breeze and you know he's there's that theme in the film about you know I think I'm catching better wind now. You know, that idea of wind is present so much in the film. It's a great last line that my favorite, you know, the last thing he says, I think we're catching better wind here. And, um, and Ray's kind of in purgatory, you know, <laughs> not to like Ray's sort of stuck in the middle of these two worlds. And, and that's, you know, that's the environment to capture is just this, this man stranded between these two worlds. So I, I often did feel like, you could look at this film so many ways. My co-writer, Scott Montgomery, came at it from a much more evolutionary biology, scientific. He saw Ray as carving out a niche, you know, and how species can often carve out a niche in society, which was a way I hadn't thought about it. I'd often thought of it much more as a, you know, some type of, um, again, existential positioning in the universe where he's you know, trying to get to, again, what I was saying earlier, that that dream he has, but that addiction is, is keeping him from that. So, you know, all, all that to say, it was a very rich environment. Like it felt like no matter where I pointed the camera, everything meant to, everything was meant to be in the shot. You know, like sometimes you're making a film and I'm, I'm kind of like, oh, we don't, we don't want that. Like, let's change it here. But this, it was like, wherever I looked, I'm like this, because that was his world, you know, like, he didn't he didn't go home to a place and was it he wasn't a different person with his wife and then a different person at work like that was his whole world and i thought i think that made it so fascinating for me to very you meet very few characters who are so embedded in in their entire world you know it's it's often it's often we 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 compartmentalize the different areas of our life but I think that was one of the things that drew me so closely with Ray is when he that first conversation, he's talking about living on the streets, but his dreams, the water. I'm like, with one eye, I'm seeing this and with the like, it's all right there. It's like that's cinema like that. This is a, you know, it's like the perfect cinematic uh, story to tell. 
Fantastic, man. I love your way of interpreting your own work. I think the movie really deserves a second watch after hearing you speak about it in these ways. And there is a lot of poetry, and I'm sure that Dante Alighieri, our our Italian colleague, uh, is uh, pretty happy about uh, about these yeah. interpretations, man. So um, <laughs> that's fantastic. I love the way you speak, man. I absolutely love the way you express yourself, and this is a language that I really, really resonate with. So I'm really, really excited about this. And well, I I hope you know I I tell people I hope I can I've made like this film was self funded, other than a small a small grant from Hot Docs Ted Rogers Fund. This and and I've and I've told my wife, I've told my colleagues, like, if I can make my my living for my family, doing other work, um, in order to pay for t these experiences to make films in this way, I would, I would die a very happy man. Like this was a very, um, I can't even describe it without getting emotional. How I just, I felt as though. You know, I've never seen, I've never been in such close proximity to both, you know, life and death and, and evil and hope, you know, like these, these beliefs I have of, I don't know that, that, you know, something can ruin your life, but then something can save your life. I've never seen it lived out so fully with someone like Ray and, This was someone I just passed by every day. So imagine what someone else you might pass by has to share with you. You know, like he shared something with me, you know, by sharing his life, he he opened me up to seeing the world in a completely different way. And, you know, I hope, you know, with the film, you know, we can elevate his story so people, people can, people can kind of experience a different way of living, you know. Thank you for sharing that, Michael. I, I see I see a lot of integrity in your work, and I definitely, definitely see that. And I see through that with a lot of respect because filmmakers like us maybe taking the time to go on the streets and um, trying to make these films, we have to make sure that also the work that's behind the camera reflects the environment that's projected in front of the camera, right? Yeah. And so the integrity and, and choosing maybe not to go after huge funding or anything like that, that's that's a choice that stands for integrity. And, and, and you know, I respect that. I really respect no, that. It's, and it, it's it, also our job to do that, right? To make sure that there is that integrity. I, I guess, uh, yeah, it, it's like, I, I guess you have to, you have to pick subjects Like for me, at least I've done, I've done a couple of these now and, and they're not easy as you know, like they take all your, they take your whole soul, they take all your effort, they take your wallet, whatever, you know, they, they're, it's not easy there. It's not very glamorous. So, you know, the process of getting a camera and, and lugging gear around the city, it's not a glamorous, you know, occupation, but you know, there's, there's something incredibly um, truthful that you don't, you don't experience in many other things in life, I, I, I feel. And, you know, the purity of watching someone and listening and, and hearing their soul as you build that trust with them and they become more open and you feel them processing, you know, it, it's, it's this experience for both them and yourself that, you know, it's, it's an amazing experience. And um, I find myself just being more, You know, the more I reflect on this film and I've had a while for it to be released to think about it because it was a very, it was a challenge to get this film released. And, uh, 
I would do it again. You know, like knowing how I had to pay for this and knowing how hard it was to get released. And I would do it again because it was just so much more fulfilling for me to be with a homeless, you know, this guy, Ray versus a pop star who might get you a Netflix deal and, and might do this, but I'm not, there's nothing there, you know, there, it, it, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be judgmental by that. Just, just saying that I don't, it, it, it's not what makes me feel alive, you know, and somehow Ray made me feel alive. Brother, I extend a huge hug to you because you don't, man, what you're saying, I, I've been exactly there in that emotional space, man, exactly there. At, when, during and after shooting V6A, I was exactly there and I love to see how there is such resonance. It seems like it's a pattern. It's a pattern of the yeah. process. And I love to see that. And, and it's fantastic to see that um, also, you know, yeah. coming then, through in this uh, healing mechanism. It is very healing for both of us, right? In front, I, behind the camera. I have, I mean, I, I say that to people asking about, I mean, that's, it's therapeutic. You know, I take, I, I don't know, I started taking some, some th personal therapy and counseling and stuff the last, the last year. And then it's like, my, that's what I, you know, it's been helpful for me to be a filmmaker because I, you know, that's what filmmaking is. You're, you know, there's, it's therapy, but it's the interesting thing is it's actually therapy both ways, even though, you know, Ray's talking much more than I'm talking. Um, there's a lot of healing and a lot of reflecting being done on my side, a lot of processing, you know, there's no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the mouse in the maze trying to figure my way through this thing, you know, with Ray, I'm not, I'm not, that's my, that's my biggest objective with my films is not to, not to be, you know, a, a preacher from a pulpit or I don't, I don't go into these things hoping to solve something, you know, I don't like, I don't, I don't have a political agenda. I don't have that type of motivation. I'm, I'm going in, I'm going into see somebody who I feel compelled to get to know more. And, um, you know, if, if we, if the relationship feels compatible, you know, and that we're both, we both feel like we're giving something to each other. Like this was a process for Ray that I think was helpful. You know, it was, it was helpful for him to do this as helpful, you know, so that's, that's just, I don't know. That's just an aside, something that I'm, I don't know, been thinking about. Of course, man, of course. And I really, really respect that type of uh, energy, you know, that thought, the time to put the thought into these themes because we're often so blinded by, we're so often blinded by themes or topics that do not necessarily reach that deep. Especially as filmmakers, we're so distracted. There are so many distractions out there, so many things. Oh, I should do this or I should do that. And then it's only when we truly feel and follow that calling, right? That call to purpose. Yeah. That's when we feel alive. And no matter, no matter how the movie will end, whatever, we just feel like we are in the right place at the right time. And that's what gives us that passion. 100%. I mean, I, I, I do, it's funny, I do a lot of videos for, you know, my corporate work puts me in touch with a lot of very successful entrepreneurs and businessmen. And, and it, and it's funny, I've never had the inclination to do a documentary on them because, um, I don't, I don't feel the layers. Like I don't, I don't see where it go. Like the objective is money. 
or the objective. It, it, it's it's a very, you know, there, there's nothing much to it. But again, I think with Ray, he's he's in a position where everything's on the line, everything's at stake, everything is, you know, everything is highly valuable, everything is vulnerable, everything is fragile, everything's chaotic, you know, and it's it just makes for this. Yeah, it just again, I've said it before, but it just it, it makes you feel like life, everything's alive. It's not. Yeah, you're not you're not just going through the motions like you really feel like this guy's I don't know. He's on the he's on the cusp of, you know, unfortunately, one one demise, his demise or fulfilling his like ultimate dream that he's had. Mm-hmm. Wow, so many good words over here. I love the combination of words we've got here on the table, man. Fantastic. <laughs> you see, many people that are not familiar with the filmmaking process, they do not really understand or realize the amount of work, attention, and energy that's necessary to edit a film like this, where there is no real precise yeah. narrative arc already deciphered. Yeah. And you have all this bunch of footage, 30 to 40 hours of footage you have to go through and, oh, yeah. and, and write the story in the editing room. Yeah. And, how was that for you, man? How did you well, come I, I, with that I, arc? I brought in I brought in my good friend Scott, um, and th- th- this was this was a very minimal team who made this. I was the only person who shot it. Um, Hannon did the music. Scott co-wrote it with me, and someone colored it. Someone did the sound. You know, it's five or six people, and then a couple producers that came on afterwards. So. Scott and I essentially made the film and our process was, you know, I had shot for about a month. Um, um, yeah, just over a month, about six weeks with Ray and no one really knew why I was doing it. Like I tried to explain it. You know, I tried to explain this is kind of like the Florida project, you know, Sean Baker's the Florida project meets tree of life, uh, you know, meets the streets, you know, like the and no one really could understand it, but I I saw it like the whole time I knew what this could become, um, but Scott saw it. I, I sent Scott some footage, and he's he's a real cinephile. Scott, he's he's an incredible writer. He's not he's not a filmmaker in the conventional sense, but you know he um, he could be if he wanted to. He he just yeah he, he does other he does everything else, and um, so he loved it. And, and he described it as very kind of Italian um neorealism like it had that you know like bicycle thieves or something like this this just this this simple plot of someone gets their jacket stolen and all of a sudden there's a 20 minute arc in the film about a guy's jacket being stolen and then you know his his ex-girlfriend shows up and then there's a 20 minute scene about his ex-girlfriend and it's just these these kind of short stories that all have this bigger arc but you know he really helped he really helped just take all of that footage and then work. What we did is we just, we transcribed after every shoot, we got all the footage transcribed and then we would just work away at, you know, picking, just peeling it back, just, you know, chipping away at the rock. And we kind of edited it as we went. And, you know, our first edit was about four hours, our first rough cut. And it was, it was amazing. I was like this, you know, we could submit this, like it was all entertaining. It was all incredible, but you know, obviously we had to make it more accessible for the general audience. So we kept whittling it down and, um, you know, you know, Scott and I, though, we, we basically just worked on that 
for a year what is just taking the foot taking these days like one day is all about his jacket being stolen the next day is he has to find he has to set up his new tent you know the next day is he's running away from nike or mikey you know like every day had this event and and we had to figure out how to connect all these um to make it this you know this kind of how, how do you describe it? it it was this I mean, the Florida Project for me was a great example because it was one of those films that didn't have a traditional plot. But some for some reason, you're you're an hour, an hour and a half into it, and you can't stop watching it. So I, I could watch this forever because you know the characters are so you know intense, and and you're just you're immersed in this world. And and Ray had that same type of magic. Absolutely. And I love uh, to hear you mention the Florida Project. Actually, big shout out to Sean Baker. Uh, we know he's really out there making a lot of cool stuff and really amplifying the voices of underrepresented communities with such elegance. His filmmaking is very elegant. It seems to me that it really comes through in the Florida Project. And he I can like, see that resonance. Yeah, he was like the main, he was one of the main, you know, inspirations or motive. I, I would say he was like the main motivation for me to know this film could work because I I remember watching that in our local theater and I turned to my wife. I think we were like, I don't know, an hour and a half hour. And she, she, you know, she was just, I, I, I can't remember how I said it to her. I just said, I could watch 10 hours of this. Like I just turned, I said, I could watch this for 10 hours. And she, she didn't love it because she, she wanted something with a little more plot. But that to me was always the template for Ray was just knowing that if you have the right, character in the right world and you're there for real moments when real things are happening people are going to find this people are going to find this uh, eye-opening it's fascinating to recognize that similarity with movies like bicycle thieves yeah you see or umberto d you see all those movies yeah. that they do not have the antagonist they don't know have that antagonist going like, mm, oh. okay. And that's the fascinating thing that some movies that they can live so authentically without 100%. the need of an antagonist because life is like that. Life doesn't have an antagonist playing against you. It's life itself and the environment in which you're placed within that context, which can create situations of whatever nature, right? Exactly. And that comes through so well, man. That comes through so well. This is fun. Man, I love this conversation, man. We're and going love, somewhere. And I love that with, you know, in Bicycle Thieves, it's like that. You know, you, it's not it's not about the antagonist. You know, it's it's about the protagonist pro you know journey of 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 of, of going through. It's just that process of trying to, you know, get somewhere simple that that you feel is simple, but it becomes very complex very quickly. You know, you think it's you think you're watching a guy get his bike back, and it becomes so much more. And I think with Ray, it's I is the same thing. I thought I was going to see a guy just try to get back on a boat. But it ended up, you know, being everything, everything else. And yeah, I, and the antagonist in the film, I mean, this guy, Mikey, this kind of this person you never see, he, he, he destroys his tent at the start of the film and he destroys Ray's tent at the end of the film. And, and he's kind of the shadow that's always there, but you never see him. And so you, you kind of wonder, is this guy even real? And, you know, it just it, it, it makes you it's interesting. It's an inter it's not a typical way you would teach in film school how to write uh, your characters out, but it works. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic, man. I love these words, man. I absolutely love it. So how does this film fit into the trajectory of your career? Well, like I said, I mean, I I I, I, I just if I could make films 
about individuals who are like Ray in the sense of they're so they're they're just they're trying they're in the dark you know for some reason I you know I don't if when I'm around my son it's just all joy and laughter and and and, and adventure but with my films I, I'm just a lot more comfortable in dark places but I want those characters to be you know trying to offer maybe it's Maybe it's I'm tr- I see myself in my characters a little bit, and I'm trying to, you know, I know there's a dark place, but ultimately I, I'm trying to find something else. And so if I, you know, the more characters like that I can find, those, you know, those are the ones I want to follow. Characters who are open about, you know, being um, deeply tormented, lost, you know, whatever it is, but they're fighting, you know, they're, 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 they're searching, they're, they're, yeah, they're trying to find their bike, they're trying to find their boat, you know, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to find an answer there. And, and I'm, I'm, I don't care how glamorous or whatever. I, I think this film has made me see, like, I don't, I don't care if it's a celebrity or a blue, like, it doesn't matter. I just, you know, that person needs to real. I need to feel like they really want to go on that journey and are going to open themselves up to allow us to go on with them. Because I think the world needs that now more than ever. We need people who have courage to, you know, take us into dark places and, and allow us to journey with them. Um, You know, without, without any expectation of trying to find an easy answer, but I just, I think that, you know, going on that, going on that journey is, 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 is important for us now in these, in these crazy days we live in. Michael, what was the smoothest and toughest steps of the process of making this film? The toughest and the smoothest the, the honestly, this, the smoothest, even though it was hard to find him some days was getting amazing footage. It was so easy because Like I said earlier, you know, the landscape, Ray's rage at the way Ray speaks. He's so charismatic for a homeless man. Like the guy could have had a whole different life had things gone differently. Like he could have had he could have had a nice car in Oakville with kids and, you know, he could have lived a nice life. But so he was just that was the smoothest part is I had an amazing character Um, and the footage ended up we could have cut a four or five hour film that was watchable because it's just so it's so. uh in, you just are so embedded in this guy's life. The toughest part has been getting the film released. Um, and it has been very discouraging. And I'm so thankful for Hot Doc Cinema and uh, Alan Black there who, who's championed it and who's going to give it, you know, he's giving it a one month Canadian uh, world premiere to start. And we're going to try and we're going to try. I think the festivals, I, it was just a tough you know, the opioid and homeless problem are big problems in the world. And as you know, with the film, we, it doesn't offer a simple solution. And I just I think if you're going to have a film about these things in a festival, they want there to be some type. This is my hunch. You know, this is this is kind of what I've been feeling is that they want some type of resolution, some type of call to action. And that's just not what this film was ever meant to be. This is meant to be an experience. This was meant to make it so every time you see a homeless person now you're going to think differently and maybe you'll ask them what their name is what their name is um 
so that this has been the hardest part the last the last year and a half getting the film out there <laughs> i've wanted to yeah. give up many times wow i hear you right there brother and i gotta tell you i look at a film like this and i see so much poetry and sometimes we need poetry amidst the chaos that's out there because that humanizes and that's what your movie does and that's what every movie should be doing instead of reinforcing the stigma it is destigmatizes the phenomenon through that humanization and i and i think it's it it hundred percent like that's that's that was really the inspiration for the style of the film and you know i did that on my last film transformer but i wanted to even go deeper with this you know avoiding commentary from other people just talking about it and just and just allowing us to 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 breathe the same air our characters breathe you know feel the feel the footsteps on these people's ground see you know where do they sleep where do they what do they hear like that that was i i just i didn't want it i i it was just for me you know that was the right choice to make and so what you said there resonated with me about how we need poetry like i feel we're very we're living in a society right now that's very analytical that's very i stand for this 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 and this if you stand for this this and this and this then we are enemies and you know it it, it it's just division and you know my fa- one of my favorite quotes is uh about this is this this writer he's a theologian gk chesterton who says you know the scientist tries to get the heavens into his head the the poet just tries to get his head into the heavens just to get a glimpse of it and i think i'm not trying to bring the opioid crisis into your heads i'm just trying to let's just lift our head let's just really get a glimpse of how severe this thing is Beautiful quote, man. Absolutely love it. And it's a uh, duty, right? It's our duty as filmmakers to speak yeah. for the truth. We cannot, we cannot allow lies to, to cover. We, we, we need to do the opposite, right? We need to blur the lines. We need to unveil the truth and at the same time do it with elegance, with touch, yeah. with tenderness. That not only comes through your film, but also comes through the way you talk about it which is the fascinating mm-hmm. thing. I can really see the connection between you and the film. And also mm-hmm. through Ray. There is a beautiful triangle there that really speaks to the spiritual nature of the filmmaking process. I can really see that. And it's, it's fascinating. So congratulations on all of this, man. I'm really curious, what is next for you now? Well, it, you know, I've got, I've got something in the works. Um, it's, it's a character, again, who's allowed himself to be open. He's, uh, he, he's, he's indigenous. Uh, by birth, but, you know, didn't know his culture, didn't know his, he, he was adopted uh, at a young age and was raised by a white family. And, you know, he, he also slipped into the world of drugs and, you know, was going down the spiral, that dark spiral and, you know, took him pretty far down, but he's climbing back up. He's a runner, which brings me back to my running roots. And, um, you know, I'm trying to make that right now. It's it's tough because of the the rules. I'm trying to I'm just trying to find the right team to bring kind of the right representation on that. Um, but yeah, it's it's his name is it's a, his 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 native name is Clear Sky. So that's the name of the film. And uh, you know, we're I'm working on that with uh, 
with with the team here again it's a pretty small setup small operation and uh yeah i hope i hope we can get that out there in the next next year or two <laughs> wonderful man full support right there how can uh, people stay in touch with you and your process um well i i i usually go on and off instagram every <laughs> i've been off it for a few years but because the film's coming out i thought i'd come back on so right now on there uh michael del monte and uh I'll, but I'll, yeah once the film's released i'll probably sign off but uh right now that's probably the best place Sounds great, man. You know what we'll do? We'll actually put some links also to the Hot Docs website so that yeah. people can go, can go purchase the tickets and watch uh, this fantastic film. We'll put them um, underneath below on the website, on moviesmovers.com, on uh, on this podcast. And uh, I also, uh, you know, before before I let you go, I usually also ask a few questions from the Plus questionnaire. And I think you're really going to enjoy because you have that vocabulary to go through it. How do you feel about that? Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go, man. All right. First question. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Uh, my, my wife and child and myself uh, enjoying a perfect Sunday afternoon in the forest. Beautiful, man. What is the trait that you most admire in others? Hmm. Good question. Um, I'd say courage. Fantastic, man. Which historical figure do you most identify with? <laughs> hmm. Good question. I, there's a character. I'll go back to my theology. There's a character in the Bible named... Uh, Jacob, who, who, who wrestled with God. I feel my life has been a constant wrestling match. So I'll say Jacob. <laughs> wow. Nice, man. That's, that's, I appreciate it, man. You know, I gotta, I gotta definitely ask you this one because of the nature of, of what you do. Um, this question really, really strikes a chord. Who are your heroes in real life? Ah, uh, uh, he's, Oh, I can't say it yet because we haven't signed the papers, but hopefully the papers are getting signed. Uh, Derek Cena France, who uh, is going to be, hopefully by the time this comes out, the executive producer of His Name is Ray. So he, he made Blue Valentine Place Beyond the Pines. But I just, he's, he's, he said something in a podcast once saying, uh, I, I'm not a very good friend. I'm not a very good brother, but I try to be the best husband the best father and the best filmmaker i can i can only do those three things and since then i've yeah i've always looked up to him and and aspired to do what he's done with his career fantastic man and how did you actually connect uh, with derek how did that come to be you know how did that come to life I, I i i reached out to a writer who derek derek optioned the book uh for this this guy's book it's called muscle and, and the, the man's name is sam I reached out to Sam because I also had loved the book and we started a connection and then Sam made an introduction and Derek and I just stayed in touch kind of, we, we took a long time to meet, but eventually we got to meet in person and yeah, he's, he's been like a, 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 a men, he's been a mentor, like a, like a big brother to me in, in the film world and just helped guide me in, uh, cause he did doc, he did a lot of documentaries as well. So it's, you know, he's on, he's on the way bigger, bigger things, but, uh, you know, he always has amazing advice that I, I really value. 
Fantastic, man. Wow, this was a, this was such a good conversation, man. I got to say, um, there is something really, really special about your relationship with the filmmaking process. And I think mm -hmm. that that philosophy and theology masters are really coming in <laughs> to, yeah. to support that. I didn't know why I was doing it back then. I, I had wondered where the end was going to be, just going to keep staying in school and doing more school. But it, you know, it was, uh, you know, thankfully it, 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 it gave me some tools for, for what I'm doing now. Wonderful, man. What's your biggest advice to filmmakers out there? Hmm. Ah, uh, I, it's a great question. You, you have to be, for me, it, it's, it's all about passion. You know, you, you have to find something that is, makes you so passionate that it brings everything else to life. It'll bring, it'll bring to life the vision. It will, it will bring to life how you're going to get the film to festivals, but it, it has to start with you just know everyone else may not see it or believe it, but you really have to have this inner passion that you just know something is there and you're meant to be the person to tell this. That That's what I would say. Wow, we are living at the intersection of purpose and meaning right here, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, beautiful, man. Beautiful, man. Wow, Michael, thank you so much for this wonderful, insightful, fascinating conversation. Yeah, this thanks is so much. Uh, such a such a great time, and I wish you all the best for your career. For his name is Ray. For whatever you desire in your filmmaking career, and congratulations on your two years old. Any shout outs before we wrap up the conversation? Just, just to the, just to the crew, the 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 people who who kind of been there the whole the whole time. My wife, who was, you know, had severe morning sickness during most of my filming of this, and uh, you know, for her, I, I'd say my big shout outs to her for for you know letting me roam the streets while she was stuck at home, and uh, yeah, huge shout out to April. Beautiful, man. Michael Del Monte right here on the Movies Move Us podcast. Uh, guys listening out there, much love to you all. Never forget, we eat emotions, we drink energy, we drink stories. Movies Move Us. The Italian Sharp Nose is out. <laughs>